Welcome to It's Time on CSN International, the daily teaching ministry from the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. On today's episode, we'll be listening to Senior Pastor Mike Kessler as he teaches in the book of Mark. Each of the four Gospels has a different approach and different audience targeted by the Holy Spirit. The book of Mark is a fast-paced, action-packed tome focused on Christ's role as a servant. By studying the examples of Christ in the book of Mark, we can learn a great deal about what our life as Christians should look like and the heart of Christ. With our study on Mark, here's Pastor Mike. If you have your Bible this morning, I'd like to invite you to open them to the book of Mark, chapter 6, Mark 6. And uh, we, as we continue to go through this book, looking at all the things that Mark recorded about Jesus' life for us today so that we can better understand how and what to expect in this life concerning our relationship with God. Today's one of those more difficult passages, you might say, as we read, because it's uh, the really the ministry of John the Baptist and actually the martyrdom of John the Baptist. And so, again, as we would look at this today, I think you're going to see some interesting things and also how Jesus fed the 5,000. Well, chapter 6, we've already began chapter 6, and we remember that Jesus had sent his apostles out, going from city to city uh, throughout Judea, uh, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Well, now we find, as we come into verse 14, it says, Now King Herod heard of him, for his name had become well known. This is speaking of Jesus. As Jesus sent his apostles out, Jesus' popularity grew amongst the people. And everybody knew who Jesus was. I mean, he, Jesus could heal people. He could, he could set the, uh, the captives free. He was causing the blind to see and all these things. And so uh, Jesus was becoming quite well known. It says, and he said, John the Baptist has risen from the dead. And therefore these powers are at work in him. The reason why uh, Herod said this is because he had John the Baptist beheaded. Now, uh, it records this story for us, but you know what you might say? Herod had a guilty conscience of doing what he knew that he shouldn't have done. And because now when he saw the powers of Jesus, and John the Baptist as well had some supernatural powers from God, that now Herod thought that John the Baptist had risen from the dead, probably thought he was coming to get him, coming to haunt him. Well, interesting. Others said, no, it's Elijah. Others said, it's a prophet. Or like one of the Old Testament prophets is literally what they're saying here. Verse 16, but when Herod heard, he said, this is John who I beheaded. He has been raised from the dead. I mean, this guy was eaten up with guilt. Now we're going to see why in just a minute. Because, you know, John the Baptist was faithful to his calling. You know, a lot of times we all have different uh, things that we do for the kingdom of God. And sometimes it requires us to be honest with people that we love, even though sometimes it may hurt them. And this is something that John the Baptist did concerning Herod's behavior concerning his brother's wife. He married his brother's wife, and John the Baptist was honest enough and forthright enough to say, hey, what you did was wrong. Now, now again, friends, you know, real love isn't saying, honey, just go out and do whatever you want to do. You know, you want to go out and get drunk. You're 15 years old. Just go out and tear it up because your dad and me, we really love you. No, no, that's not real love, is it? Real love is saying, hey, listen, as a matter of fact, you can't do those things. And, you know, the Bible tells us that, that this is a, is a responsibility that we have when we say we love somebody. Now, that is, again, not to say that we don't first consider our own uh, conditions and our own shortcomings in our life and these things as well. But when we say we love somebody, we not only point out where the error is, but we say, I'm here to help you as well. 
I'm here to help you, whatever it is that's needed to correct this. So in other words, when we say we want to correct some something or something that we see and maybe someone we love very much, that we're also surrendering our will to them to help them get out of whatever it is they're in. In other words, we're just not going around sin sniffing and point fingers at people. But when we do that, we're saying, hey, as a matter of fact, I'm here to help you. I see an issue in your life. Friends, I think that as we live our lives, we're all going to see things in our friend's life and maybe even in our own lives that we don't like. But the thing is, we've got to be careful because, again, we, we can just point out and be a person that just points out what's wrong with everybody without becoming involved and helping people. Now, we know that John the Baptist was a person who went around preaching repentance uh, to God. Now, uh, again, as he would do this, again, he was outspoken concerning Herod. Now, he says here, Herod himself, verse uh, 17, had sent and laid hold of John, bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother's Philip's wife, for he had married her. For John had said to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Therefore, Herodias held it against him and wanted to kill him, but she could not. Now, again, uh, Herod's wife hated John because John was honest. Now, friends, a lot of times this is going to happen because sometimes when we're honest with people, they don't like it. You know, um, uh, they, they like to think that everything that they do is okay and, and, and everything like that. But, you know, uh, again, John was just simply being honest. John was simply uh, just stating what the Old Testament law said. And, and so, um, uh, you know, Herod understood that, but Herodias, his wife, hated him for it. Uh, so this is where the problem comes up. She wanted to kill him, it says. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just and holy man... And protected him. And when he heard him, he did many things and heard him gladly. So it's interesting that Herod uh, had an openness towards John and the message that John brought. Though probably not a believer. You might say maybe a little hypocritical. But nevertheless, he, he would listen to him. But uh, Herodias didn't want to have anything to do with him. Now, what his message was is something that was very offensive to her because of her behavior towards uh, Philip and also uh, towards Herod. So it says, Then the opportunity, uh, the opportune day came when Herod on his birthday gave a feast for his nobles and the high officers and the chief men of the Galilee. Now, the, the reason why it mentions this is because later on in a reckless remark, Herod says, whatever you want, I'll give you. Now, he makes that remark in front of all the nobles of the land, all the people of somewhat. He makes this crazy uh, statement in front of them. We're going to see in a second what that is. But it's very uh, interesting here. The Bible lets you know uh, the level of people that were at this party that Herod was giving. And so it says here that uh, Herodias' daughter herself came in and danced and pleased Herod with those who sat with him. And the king said to the girl, Ask me whatever you want, and I will give it to you. And he also swore to her, Whatever you ask me, I will give it to you up to half of my kingdom. Now evidently, she probably did some sensuous dance, and he was all hot and bothered, and whatever you want, I'll give it to you. Grilly goofy. And so him thinking in a material sense, up to half the kingdom. Now, again, he said this in front of all the nobles of the land, all the, all the governors and all these people. And so he makes this, whatever you want. I swear to you, I'll give it to you. Now, again, friends, one, a couple of things that we, we look at here, and uh, especially with the book of Proverbs. One of the things that the book of Proverbs warns us about is making irrational statements. 
Now, sometimes we get caught up in the heat of the moment. And we say things and then we, we want to take our words back. And, and, you, and you know, you, you can't. You know, your words are something you give you never can take back. And unfortunately, he said the, this, this statement, whatever you want, I'll give it to you up to half the kingdom in front of all these people uh, that were nobles. Well, notice what it says here. And him again thinking that she wanted, you know, much bucks or half the kingdom or a couple of cities or whatever. But notice what she does. It says, um, so she went out and said to her mother, what shall I ask? And she said, the head of John the Baptist. And immediately she came in uh, with haste to the king and, and asked, saying, I want you to give me the head of John the Baptist on a platter. Sweet little thing. Um, now, you know, a lot of times we don't think women... We, we always see a lot of times the wickedness of men. But here's an interesting place in the Bible where we see the hard-heartedness and wickedness of a woman. So, friends, that can be in either species. It's not, it's not or either gender. It's not necessarily uh, just something that guys are just mean, evil, wicked, and nasty. Women can be that way, too. And here's a place where Herodias had a vendetta against John the Baptist. And unfortunately, or, or interestingly, she used her daughter to accomplish what she wanted. And that was to kill John the Baptist. And so, it says that she came in and she said, I want the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And in verse 26 it says, And the king was exceedingly sorry, yet because of the oath he made uh, in front of those who sat with him, he did not want to refuse her. And so immediately the king sent the executioner and commanded his head to be brought and he went and beheaded him uh, in prison, brought the head on the platter and gave it to the girl, and the girl gave it to her mother. Uh, pretty morbid here, isn't it? Now, again, John the Baptist was a righteous man. He was simply put in prison because he said some things of truth, and of course, the king didn't want to hear it, and of course, his wife didn't want to hear it either. Now, I'd like to tell you this, and as we look and study the entirety of Scripture, sometimes, because of the go- cause of the gospel, many people are put to death. Friends, again, the early church, some six million martyrs, uh, because of their faith in Christ Jesus, uh, they died. And, and, and so, you know, we live in a, in a country right now that, praise the Lord, we can have a church service like this on Sunday morning, and, and uh, we can go out in the streets and evangelize. But, you know, there's many countries around the world today that if you go out in the streets and share Jesus or give somebody a, a gospel tract or hand somebody a Bible... Uh, you'll be arrested and maybe executed. And this is the way it is, friends, in your Muslim countries across uh, across the world today. People say, well, Muslims are peace-loving. Listen, you can't preach Jesus in a Muslim country. They won't let you. And so, again, there are many Christians that have lost their lives because uh, they're endeavoring to preach the gospel. But, you know, the Bible says it's, it, it's only a fool that would, would uh, not give away something that he can't keep. You, you, you know, your life is here but a short time, and, and it's, then it's gone. But, you know, again, that purpose and cause that God has for you, again, if you ever are called to give your life up for Christ, I just want to encourage you that you've got a reward and a crown in heaven. Uh, that God will give you for that. And I like to say that none of us will ever see that, but I don't know. I, I know that we have people in our, in our uh, uh, congregation this morning that, are from other, uh, that have ministered in other countries, and, and you never know what's going to happen. My, uh, Jim is here with us this morning. He was over in Sri Lanka after the, uh, the, uh, the, um, uh, the uh, big uh, tidal wave hit, and, and uh, he said that he ran into people, and, and, and he said that almost everybody he met lost at least five to seven family members. The most, he said he met one fellow that lost uh, 41 or 42 family members, including his wife, all of his kids, his in-laws, and everything. Uh, this, in, in just a matter of minutes, wiped out a town 
uh, uh, wiped out almost a quarter of a million people in just a matter of minutes. And so, uh, you know, and so now as people go in there to try to rebuild this, and it's a Muslim area, uh, it may cost you your life. Well, you know, again, we understand that uh, preaching the gospel is is sometimes uh, 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 that of which God's called us to do and, and may cost us uh, our life. But you know what? Again, uh, we find in the Bible many people who are martyred for the sake of the Lord. And so, again, if that ever happens, uh, I just want you to know, don't worry about it. God's going to tell you what to say and what to do at that exact time. And so you don't uh, get all upset and, and, and bothered over it. You just realize that God's going to see you through. And God knows right exactly where you're at. And uh, oftentimes in the Bible, and if you really look at the book of Acts, you'll find where uh, they wanted to kill Peter. Uh, and a bunch of guys got together and, and, and uh, they wanted to kill Paul. A bunch of guys got together and said, we're not going to eat or drink till we've killed Paul. And the message got back to Paul. And you know what? Paul didn't get killed that way. Uh, uh, you know, God wasn't done with Paul yet. And remember this, nothing can happen to you until God is finished with you. You're indestructible. Isn't that great to know? But when, when God says it's time to come home, well then, hey, I'm ready to go and I don't want to stick around here anyway. So, kind of a nice note. Well, anyway... The head was brought to uh, her, and she gave it to her mother. And when the disciples heard of it, they came and took away the corpse and laid it in the tomb. So this is how John the Baptist died. It's interesting that it's recorded for us. We see this great predecessor of, of, uh, of Jesus that came. Now, again, we know that Jesus uh, was martyred because of what he said and what he did. And, of course, that was part of God's, the Father's plan for all of us to have salvation. But we find many other people in the Bible as well that uh, gave up their lives because they love God. And you know something? It's nice to have a purpose in which is valuable enough to die for. You know, again, uh, I wouldn't die for a lie. I don't think anybody else would either. That's why, again, when you look at how all of the apostles died except for John the Beloved, all of those guys died a martyr's death. It's all recorded in the Fox's Book of Martyrs, and you might want to check that out sometimes, how they died. Because, again, uh, uh, you wouldn't die for a lie, and they didn't die for a lie either because it was the truth. And so that's what happened. Well, we find here that uh, the twelve return. Now, this is after Jesus had sent the, the disciples out, and they came back, and it says, The apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all the things which they had done and the things uh, they had taught. And he said to them, come aside uh, with, uh, by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going so that they did not even have time to eat. So Jesus saw his disciples were a little tired. So he pulled them off to the side and said, Let, let's go rest a while. So come off to a deserted place and rest. Um, well, they did that. And you know what? Sometimes you'll find that that doesn't provide rest. <laughs> That's what happened here. Um, I don't know how many people have ever done that. You decide you're going to go on vacation. You work harder to go on vacation than you would have if you stayed home. You know? Uh, and I think all of us have experienced that. You know? And, and, and uh, especially if something breaks. And, and nothing usually breaks until you go somewhere. And then that's when it breaks. And I don't know how that happens, but it does. But I will tell you one thing. It makes the trip memorable. Do you know, I can remember almost every single camp trip when it rained. Can you think about that? And you know the ones that didn't rain, I don't remember. <laughs> so sometimes, you know, I think maybe that happens where we, we experience different things so that we remember things. I don't know. But anyway, so they go off to the de deserted place uh, in the boat by themselves. Verse 33. But the multitude saw them departing 
And many knew him, and they ran there on foot from all the cities, and they arrived before them, uh, and they came uh, together to him. Now, again, Jesus was going probably on the other side of the lake, up at the upper end of the Galilee. And it's a pretty good vantage point. You can see a long way. And they could see which way Jesus was going. He was going north. And so they ran around the, 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 on the shoreline and beat Jesus to where he was coming. Now, they were supposed to be going and getting away. Have you ever had this happen to you where, you know, you've been sharing the Lord with people and you've been doing what you felt God wanted you to do and you get tired and uh, that sure happens to me a lot. And then you think, well, I'm going to get a little respite here. I'm going to take a little break. And, and, and then more happens. Well, you know what? That's part of the gospel and that's part of the ministry. You know what? Uh, If you've ever had a a boring life, ask Jesus into your life. That'll stop. You know, um, you know, a lot of people, they get into a, uh, they get into a rut uh, day in, day out. Same old thing happens. But you know what? When you, when you let God do something new in your life, God's always doing something neat. And you know, a rut is just a coffin with the ends kicked out. So, you know, God wants to take you out of that and get you something new to do in your life and not to just have day in and day out, but having God doing something. And sometimes it stretches us a little bit. And certainly we find this here. So it says that they uh, ran around and arrived before him. Jesus, when he came out, saw the great multitude and was moved with compassion. Now, I love this. Jesus didn't go, oh, no, these people, go go away. He was moved with compassion when he saw him. Now, Now, friends, that's neat. Because even though he was tired, the disciples were tired, Jesus had compassion on people. And again, I really believe that without real compassion, there is no ministry. Friends, you can do things out of duty and out of begrudgingness. But you know, I don't know, is that a word, begrudgingness? It should be a word if it ain't. Okay. We have some little wordisms here, so you'll... Is that a word, wordisms? I, I don't know. But anyway, we make them up as we go here. We're all a little ADD. You know what I mean? Uh, but anyway, J- Jesus did not was not encumbered by that. He, he had compassion on them. And, and I really believe that's what releases the power of God to change a person's life, is when there's real, genuine compassion. For some of you, you, you see, well, I, I want that. See, and friends, that, that's what, and, and in that, in that uh, culture, I believe, or in that, in that uh, compassion is what allows love to grow. And friends, that's what people are attracted to. You know, I, I, I talk to so many different people that look for church programs to make their church grow. Well, you know, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. We're going to add formula A and then add formula B and then we're going to stir it all up and then we're going to, you know. You know what I find that causes more than anything else in church to grow? Is love. And I really believe that love comes from God and it's rooted in compassion. In other words, not out of duty or obligation, but hey, as a matter of fact, hey, I know what it feels like to be where you're at. That's the compassion we're talking about. I've been through it. I felt that. Now, maybe I don't know all those things that maybe to, to lose a child, but you know, I've lost somebody that I really do love and I understand that. And there's an empathy, not a sympathy, but an empathy that goes along with it. Empathy says, I feel what you're feeling. Sympathy is, I feel sorry for you. Big difference. But empathy, part of compassion, and Jesus seeing the multitude had compassion on him. In fact, if you ever want to do an interesting study in the Bible, just look how many times in the Bible, the the Bible says in in the Gospels, and Jesus seeing the multitudes had compassion on them. It's incredible. I mean, it's like that was the very criteria to really do something, is to really feel from your heart something that you want to do for them. Now, people sometimes might say, well, I, I, I don't really have that compassion. You know what I can tell you? Ask God to give it to you. 
You know, I have found that whatever you don't have in your life, you can ask God to give it to you. You know, if, if you don't have love in your life, ask God to give you love in your life. If you don't, whatever it is that you lack, you know, people say, well, I don't have a willing heart. Well, then ask God to give you a willing heart. You know, God can change all kinds of things. And it's really amazing to me how God does that. Sometimes he, he just use, uses the grinder of life. That'll change you a lot of times. Sometimes it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a wonderful blessing that you weren't expecting and, you know, everything becomes beautiful. I mean, it's just, wow, this is great. I love this. But, you know, God has a way of getting our attention and ministering to our hearts that you need. And friends, what you need to cause your heart to be softened towards others may be different than what, what God would use in somebody else's life. And so, again, compassion is part of what releases the power of God. Now, I think this is important because of what we're going to see here coming up. A lot of people have said to me, how come God doesn't do miracles nowadays like he did in the old Bible days? Well, friends, he still does. But you know, again, we've talked about this. Most of us don't live close enough to the edge to see the power of God. And second of all, the heart motive is not always right. And so again, when we see that Jesus had compassion on the multitudes, that released, as we'll see here, the power of God. Notice what it says. It says... um, Jesus came out, saw the great multitude, was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep, not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place. It's already, the hour is already late. Send them away that they may go into the surrounding country and the villages to buy for themselves breads, for they have nothing to eat. But But Jesus answered and said to them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to uh, them for something to eat? Uh, The disciples just saying, Hey, listen, you know, a denarii is about a day's wages. So we need 200 days wages. We need almost a year, a man's yearly wage to feed all these people. Is that what you want us to do? Now, you know what, friends? I'll tell you something. If you ever feel an unction from God... To have you do something and it seems impossible, all I can tell you is this. God's got a way of making it happen beyond your understanding. Jesus looked at him and said, you give him something to eat. I always wonder why they didn't say, okay, what you going to do? Instead, they offer excuses why they can't. Now, isn't that amazing? Instead of saying, okay, God, let's go, let's do it. They said, we can't do that. And do you know what? Can't never did nothing. Always remember that. And so Jesus said, you go give them something to eat. And they said, well, 200 denarii wouldn't buy them all something to eat. Again, he commanded them, but he said to them, how many loaves of fish, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And they found out, they said, five five loaves and two fish. And he commanded them to make them set down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in ranks in hundreds and in fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he said, I've got mine, too bad about you, see you later. No, he didn't say that. You know, a lot of times we think the blessing of God is for us. But you know, he said, what do you have? And they said, well, all we have here is five loaves and two fish. One of the other gospels adds another statement in here. But what is that amongst so many? Well, again, without God's blessing in it, Not much, but you know, God's blessing can do anything. Well, notice he says, When he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves, 
and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fish he divided among them all as well. And so they all ate and were filled, and they took up twelve baskets full of fragments and uh, the fish. So this is really interesting here because this was one of Jesus' all-you-could-eat-fish-and-chips kind of thing. It was really good. And Jesus kept breaking the fish off. And you know what? I'll tell you something. Uh, one of the other Gospels tells us uh, and, and uh, there was about 5,000 men. And in fact, it tells us here there was about 5,000 men. We don't know how many women and children were there. Well, you know what's interesting about this story? Have you ever been in a, a, a big crowd of people, like 10,000 people, like at a big stadium? Now, you figure some of these football stadiums around here, they don't seat that many people. And you can kind of get lost in the crowd. And all of a sudden, here comes a basket of bread by, and then here comes a basket of fish. And you know, you know, they were grabbing lots. They weren't just, they, they were, this was all you could eat fish and chips. This was a good deal. Now, you know what I found? You know, those close to Jesus knew something was really fishy going on. They knew that this was not normal because every time Jesus would break off the fish, it just kept breaking off and they kept filling the baskets and they kept passing them out. But you know what? People, I imagine sitting way back in the crowd someplace, they, they didn't know that probably Jesus didn't have a big cave of food someplace and the disciples kept bringing it out. But those close to Jesus knew that this was a miracle. That's Pastor Mike Kessler on It's Time. If you've missed any part of today's episode, I'd like to inform you that we offer It's Time for free as a podcast download in the iTunes store. If you'd like a hard copy that you can keep and share, give us a call at 800-357-4226 and the operator can help you with that. Don't forget, It's Time to Grow. Pastor Mike's book on the Christian walk is also available completely free for you by calling that toll-free number I just mentioned. Tune in next time. For more, it's time. It's